Welcome to the Clear to Close podcast with your host, local mortgage expert, Ryan Bolton. Ryan has the questions and answers, tips and tricks, do's and don'ts, and expert guests to explain all the steps needed to buy or sell real estate. And now it's time for the Clear to Close podcast. Hey, everybody. Ryan Bolton here. I am a mortgage nerd. You can check out all my social media at Mortgage Nerd. And you can see it's spelled a little bit differently just to have a little fun with that. It's Mortgage N3RD. So Mortgage Nerd, but the E is replaced with the number three. It's kind of a gamification, gamer tag kind of thing. I just thought it'd be kind of fun. And there's actually another Mortgage Nerd that's kind of out there. And I thought this will be available on all the platforms. So that's kind of how I came up with that. So check me out on anything social media wise. I post everything that I can and just have a lot of fun creating the videos, creating the content that are mortgage and real estate specific. And today's topic, I think, will be really relevant because I know how frustrating the process can be. I know mortgages can be really scary and intimidating. So I wanted to come up with five tips to make the mortgage transition or mortgage experience a little bit smoother. So we're going to go through these tips that just makes this process a little bit easier. It's like going to the dentist. In fact, I saw a report that people would rather go to the dentist than get a mortgage loan because it can be confusing. It can be jargon and abbreviations and a lot of moving parts with it. And there's this sense that you should know how this works somehow. If you've done it once or if you bought a car, it can't be that much different. So there's kind of this baggage that kind of comes with buying a mortgage or buying a home and using a mortgage to buy the home. So today, I wanted to go through some of the ways to make the process smoother so you have a better experience when it comes to buying uh, real estate with a mortgage loan. So let's go to slide number one. It's tip number one that I think is so crucial. And our industry's really been pushing this for quite a while. The number one tip, the first tip I can give you is get pre-approved early. Pre-approvals out there. Everybody kind of gets the concept. You want to find out what you qualify first before you start going and buying a home. Because you want to make sure you're shopping in the right price range. You want to find out if there's anything you need to work on as far as down payment or credit scores, what your job history looks like. This pre-approval process lets you know where you're at today or what you need to do to get ready to buy a home. And I cannot tell you how many times people will start this process just a little bit too late. You really can't start it too early. You really can't. But I have people that say their lease is up next month, and they already start, and they got 30 days to get moved, to get relocated, to find a home, to get approved, to get appraisal, get all the things required to do a mortgage, and they only give them a 30-day window, even a 60-day window. And I can't tell you how many times, if we had 60 days plus to just kind of start working on it, you'll be in a much better situation. Or you'll be able to move out of your rental and then get settled in your new home, go back and maybe clean the other one, just so you have maybe a weekend or two to get fully moved. There can be some huge savings in that, a lot less stress of having to be out of your rental into the new home. Well, what if the new home doesn't close on time? What if there's some other delay? And all of a sudden now, you have to go to a hotel for a weekend or two weekends or something like that. So really starting it early is a huge benefit to making sure you're set up for the best loan. Also starting early, you'll have your paperwork ready to go and you'll be able to close faster on your offer. So your offer might stand out. If you've got two offers sitting there and they're both the same offer, the same price, but one can close 10 days sooner, if you're a seller, which one are you going to take? You're going to take the offer that looks the best, that's the strongest for you as well. So as a buyer, having your pre-approval, getting your paperwork together, just being ready early 
will make sure you can have a shorter time frame to close. You'll be able to jump on a property when it does hit the market. We're already starting to see interest rates come down. We're already starting to see sellers kind of put homes on the market. So you want to be ready if that home pops up. And if all of a sudden 10 other people are also waiting, your offer can stand out by being able to close faster. Pre-approval, getting started, is one of the best ways to make your offer stand out. And if you can't get approved, let's say we've got to work on credit, we've got to fix a medical collection, or there's something on the credit, we've got to pay down some credit card debt, get your credit up another tier. If you have time to do that, it's cheaper, and you'll be able to get more of your things fixed on your credit. Now, we have rapid rescore programs where we can delete things off your credit report if we have the evidence of that, but it costs more money to do it quicker than just naturally letting those things update. It can be a big savings if you do it that way. Then you have to get a 30-day window to make all this stuff happen. So I'm telling you, it's one of the best things to do before you talk to an agent, before you go out and look at homes, start with pre-approval so you can narrow down your search, be ready sooner, and if you need to work on things to get a better loan, you've got a little extra time. So if you're looking at buying a home in the summer, maybe the spring, something like that, start now. I really, really recommend you start now. Another quick tip when it comes to pre-approval is if you're self-employed. Many, many people in Southern Utah are self-employed. That comes with a whole different sets of documents, sets of tax returns you have to file. There's always this balance of what you actually made to what you actually take home. Lenders take that bottom number. So as you're preparing your taxes for last year, 2023, you want to get a draft first before you file and get that in front of your loan officer. That way they can say, okay, based on this income, this is what you qualify for. If that's not where you want to be and that's not the home you want, you may have to go back and adjust your taxes, figure out ways to change the expenses or not just not take those expenses to be able to keep your income where you need to qualify. So there is programs that don't require tax returns. They just require a lot more money down. But if you file your return, you're kind of stuck with that return without amending it. And we're right at the first of the year here. This is a great time to get a free review of your taxes before you file them. We always go off of two years as well. So if 2022 is just zero or negative income, you have to offset that with 2023. You may be looking at 2024's return before you can really do a loan. So these are important things to just be aware of. So when you do become ready, you're not wasting that time between now and the time you want to buy a house or other things you could be working on. So number one to make the mortgage process smoother is pre-approval early. Not just get a pre-approval, get it early. Let's talk about tip number two. With tip number two, this is gathering the paperwork. Now, I send the checklist out to every client, and every checklist can be a little bit different, but it's always going to be something about your identification. It's going to be where the down payment's coming from, bank statements, things like that, and it's going to be your income source. It's always going to be those things, but I have a lot of clients, they'll send me something different than what we asked for, and I'm not sure why that happens sometimes, but I think sometimes they, they hear it wrong, or they just say, well, this is what I want to send, and unfortunately, it doesn't meet the guidelines. These guidelines have been set up for a long time to check the boxes on ability to pay the loan back, to show that you're making an income, to check your debt ratio, things like that. So when you get that checklist, if you have questions on it, ask. Ask what it means. Ask a breakdown. Or say, hey, I don't have what you need, but what else can I get? A lot of times that will save you some time and try to get as much of it together as you can in one lump sum. I get times where I'll get one, two, three, four, five, six, seven emails all separate, all in a different time. And sometimes it gets missed. 
It gets missed because it gets mixed in with all the other documents or all the other emails I'm getting. So it's helpful to try to get them all into kind of one big package, whether it's dropped off at my office or so many things now are digital. So many things you can get online, bank statements, things like that. But I would say the number one issue with paperwork gathering from clients is their verification of down payment. Tax returns are fairly easy. W-2s can be missing, but they can get. Pay stubs are easy to get. ID is right in your wallet. So those ones are easy. The bank statement ones are always what trip people up. And one of the biggest reasons they trip people up is we have to get the most recent bank statements for the last 60 days. Then we have to get the transaction summary from the end of that statement to the day your earnest money cleared or the day the money went out of your account for the down payment. So what I'll see people do is they'll start moving money around. They say, well, we want to buy a house. I'm going to take money from a mutual fund or 401 or something like that, move it into my checking, and I'll put it in my savings because I get better rate of return. So that money's going all over the place. Well, everywhere it moves, we have to verify it, especially if it moves between accounts. So it's really important to sit down. Part of that pre-approval is to review where's the down payment coming from, verify it, and then understand the paperwork you need to verify that money. Now, why is it such a big deal? A lot of money laundering happens through buying real estate. A lot of terrorist activities happen through money laundering. So a lot of laws that govern anti-money laundering, SAR, some of these other things that happen within the banking world also kicks in when it comes to doing a mortgage loan. So we have to verify where the earnest money is coming from. We have to verify where the cash to close is coming from if you're putting a down payment and just have to step that money every step of the way. Now, I've had people that sell their house, they get the money from the title company, they put it in one account, then they move it, move it, move it. You're better off to try to get it into one account when you can. Now, here's also a, pr- a quick mention about cash. I have people that have, maybe they've been saving up and they put it in an envelope or they keep it at home and they just have this five grand, 10 grand, whatever sitting in cash. That gets very difficult to use. You're far better getting that into an account, let it source and season for 60 days so then that deposit doesn't show up on the statement. So if we get your bank statement, there is ending balance of three grand or whatever at the end of the month. Then all of a sudden you see your balance is 50 grand. We're going to like, where did all that money come from? Was it a loan? Did you sell something? Was it a borrowed funds from family members? Was it selling a house or a car or something? We have to verify where that money's coming from, especially if it's being used to purchase the home. So that's the biggest hang up I see is gathering up that information. And the biggest one is the end of the statement to the day that the earnest money cleared is usually within a statement date. You know, it's on the 15th of the month and the statements are available on the 1st. Now, I deal with a lot of banks, so I see the statements are the 1st of the 1st, 15th of the 15th, the day you opened, 30 days later, so that could be a random day of the month. Every bank's going to be a little bit different. I mean, most common, they're going to be 1st to 1st. But if the earnest money check cleared on the 10th, we don't have a statement yet, and we don't have to wait for that statement, so we have to bridge that gap with the transaction summary. But then I'll have people take just a screenshot of their bank statement to show they have the money. We still have to know where that money came from, how long it's been in the account. We also are checking to see if your account's NSFs. If every month you're negative in your account every single month, or there's a bunch of overdraft charges, they're going to look at an analysis of that. But most of it is going to be based on your where your down payment is actually coming from. And we have to verify new money coming in within the last 60 days. So I... I I would say that's probably the biggest hang-up people have as they're gathering up information is where their down payment's coming from and just verifying that. So a trick is get the money in the account, whatever account you're going to use, let it sit there for the 60 days or while you're shopping and while you're looking for a home, and then don't move money around until you talk with your loan officer because you can just get the statements where stuff's at and just leave it there. It doesn't really need to move into a certain account. 
If you're getting gift funds from a family member, it doesn't have to leave their account and go into your account. It can just stay where it's at. I see so many times people think that they know how this works, and they start moving money around. All of a sudden, we got to get all this paperwork. We got to get all these statements, all these transaction summaries that could have been avoided just with a little bit of extra knowledge about how it works. So tip number two, gather the paperwork as much as you can. Ask questions about what the paperwork might be. And when it comes to your down payment, leave it where it's at or get it all into one account. All right, let's go on to tip number three. So tip number three is uh, spending money or moving money around. So this is that same kind of concept. But what you want to do is kind of budget for the next little bit. You're going to have your down payment. You're going to have your closing costs. You're going to have an appraisal fee. You're going to have a home inspection fee, earnest money. You want to still have money left over. A lender doesn't want to see that you have 10 grand in your account and the down payment closing costs equal 10 grand. You have nothing left over. So while you're looking at buying a home, just keep the pennies. Try to find a few places where you can leave a little bit of money in those accounts because you'll get better approvals if you have your down payment, if you have your closing costs, unless they're built into the sales price, and a little bit of money left over. They don't want to see that you're just liquidating everything to buy a house. They want to see that if you lose your job or miss time at work or a medical issue happens or just life happens, that you're not right into foreclosure. You know, you're right into missing your first payment. They want to see what's called reserves. Some loans actually require six months in the bank of the mortgage payment. So during the process of trying to buy a home, even if you're using 100% financing, even if you're not putting any money down, having some money in the bank will always be better. It'll offset credit score, debt ratio. Just having that reserve is one more way to lower your risk, which will help lenders say yes more often or get you better loans. So I see that is a, a really good tip as people start to look at buying a home and there's just there's just during that time just start saving some money. Don't eat out as much or just try to get rid of some subscriptions or just try to say okay, we're going to save a little bit here for the next couple months as we're getting ready to move into a home. Plus when you move into the home, you're going to have new towels you have to buy or plates or dishes or drapes or towel, you know, there's stuff that you're going to want for your new house. So having another little bit of cash where you don't have to pull it on credit or do other things like that. It's kind of nice to be able to say, hey, we got this much money after everything's said and done with buying the house. We got a little money to be able to put some stuff into the home. That makes a really big difference, I think, on what you're going to be able to do with um, having the extra savings. So another big tip to just make this whole process a lot smoother is to just kind of watch your budget, kind of save the pennies while you're trying to buy a home. And again, that's where you're starting that pre-approval early or process early. You might be able to just start reviewing and say, okay, we're going to save a little bit going, going into buying a home. Let's go on to tip number four. And these are the five tips to help the process of buying a loan go smoother. Here's kind of a big one that happens is people will apply for new types of credit cards or new types of loans, especially like furniture stores or appliance stores, or they will even get a new car. They're like, hey, I'm pre-approved for a loan. I got my house figured out. Now we need to furnish it. We need to go get new beds or dressers or whatever you want for the house. And that new inquiry can hurt your score. That new debt will show up on the credit report. And a lot of times it doesn't kill the transaction. It just is a bump in the road that can be so easily avoided. It's just not pulling credit after you've gotten your pre-approval, even after you've actually signed on the loan, you want to make sure it's done, funded, recorded, keys, garage door openers, all that is in your hands before you go to Boulevard Home Furnishings or RC Willie or Furniture Row. I'm not sponsored by any of this, but hey, if you want to sponsor, you know, give me a call. But, <laughs> but it's something where I see people that get their pre-approval and they go buy a new car. 
because they want a new car with the house or whatever, or they trade in their car to upgrade or something like that. But I'd say the most common one is furniture stores. It's crazy how often that happens. There'll be 90 days, same as cash. I'm already approved. I've already even signed my loan documents, but the loan hasn't funded and recorded. Like you'll have a client that'll sign on a Friday and over the weekend they go to furniture row. There's another furniture store. Boy, I'm getting I'm naming off all kinds of furniture stores here. Not sponsored by any furniture stores. <laughs> but you'll see that inquiry. Because they get 90 days, same as cash, and they can get their washer and dryer. They can get their new fridge if it doesn't come with a fridge or new couches, you know, moving into a new place. You want to get some new stuff. And it can ding the score. It could add to the debt. And it's just one more thing we either have to clear with the underwriting and all that, or it could actually kill the transaction. If that inquiry shows up and lowers the score a little bit, or if that debt is 500 bucks a month and you're right on the edge of qualifying or something like that. Or I've seen times where people will trade in their cars or do things like that to be able to buy the new car, can just throw a wrench in it. Not always does it kill the deal, but we're talking about ways to make this smoother. Just wait until you hear from your loan officer that you're totally done, or you got keys in hand, you're moving in, you've got your garage door openers, all those things. You really just want to make sure you're totally done with the loan process before you do any kind of inquiry. Now, one caveat to that is any kind of utilities. Sometimes people will start, you want to put the utilities in their name, get that started, that's okay. That inquiry is not necessarily new debt. That's more for credit worthiness. And most of the time, it's a soft credit pull anyway. So do keep that in mind. One other tip, it can be already existing accounts. I've had people call me and say, hey, I already have this visa, I already have this card, and I need to put something on it to buy plane tickets for a business trip or something like that. Is that going to mess things up? No, that's already existing. That's already existing debt that's there that doesn't require a credit inquiry to use that account. So you can use that, but the more and more you can keep money in your account, limit as much as you can, any kind of credit inquiry, unless you tell the loan officer. I mean, I've had credit inquiries where people are trading in a car to get a cheaper car to help with qualifying, or they're putting money down on their car to say, take it from 30 grand to 10 grand to lower that payment. So there can be exceptions, but more times than not, when this happens, it's somebody applying for new debt that they're not closed yet. And they went and got 10 grand worth of 90 days, six months, same as cash financing at a furniture store, and it can just throw a wrench in the whole thing. So just wait or at least communicate with your loan officer on any new debts. And now, finally, tip number five. Let's jump on to number five here. We got new graphics in there. I love this. This new graphics are great. Here's a big, big, big one. Know your deadlines. When you do the real estate contract, you will have deadlines that have certain expirations to them that once you pass that deadline, you can't go back and use that as an excuse to back out of the contract. You also really want to open up a calendar and just say, okay, what is the last day of the month? Or are we doing this closing on a Friday? Are we doing this on a holiday? You really want to look at the dates. Because a lot of times what people do is they'll just go 30 days out. So today's the first, we'll close on the first. Well, what if the first is a Sunday? What versus a holiday? What if the first is a Friday? You want to look at those dates a little bit closer and try to close on Wednesdays and Thursdays. The reason for that is if there is a delay, you still close before the weekend. Or if it's something where you, you have to move or move out of a lease or something like that, it's just crazy how much smoother it can go if you set your closing dates middle of the week. 
That way you're not closing on a Friday but not getting your keys till Monday. Now you've lost the entire weekend. You can't move into the following weekend. you got to take time off of work. All those, all those things are really a hassle, and it just doesn't make this process very smooth. And it can all be avoided by simply saying, okay, let's look at a calendar. Let's pick some dates. Let's choose a settlement deadline that's a Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, somewhere around there. That way if there's a delay, you've got a little bit of cushion, and you actually get your keys. Now, some states are what's called wet funding states, where they actually send the funds with the loan package, so when you sign, you can fund and record same day. In Utah, many states, that's not the case. Now, it can be an exception. You can still make that happen, but almost everywhere, you'll sign on Monday, you'll get keys on Tuesday. So if you sign Friday, you're not getting keys till Monday. So really, really look at a calendar, know those dates. And the other dates you want to know about are going to be the due diligence deadline. This is so you can do home inspections, walkthroughs, check your insurance, flood certifications, all of these things to kind of make sure this is the home that you want to get. There's a deadline that you have to have those things done by. If you skip that deadline and then find out there's something wrong with the home, you're now risking your earnest money to back out of the transaction. So if you don't have those dates kind of on your mind or circled on a calendar or put a little alert in your phone, you don't want to pass that deadline unless that checklist is done, that the home inspection's done, and things are done before that deadline. The biggest deadline is what's called financing and appraisal deadline, because once you pass that one, your next deadline is settlement. If you don't close, you're now on the hook for that loan, or you're on the hook for that property, or you're risking your earnest money. So if you're not aware of those deadlines and what needs to happen before that, then you may run into issues. That doesn't mean you can't try to get them extended for extenuating circumstances. Maybe you get a home inspection and the home inspection has some issues you got to get fixed first, or it requires that you know, maybe somebody else has to come out, like a specialized person for the HVAC or for the roof or the plumbing or an electrician. There may be things that need to extend these deadlines as you find out, but once you pass them, you can't go back and say, hey, I need an electrician to go out there or a plumber or a septic tank inspection or a radon inspection. I mean, all of these things are what we're coordinating as part of your team to make sure it is going as smooth as possible. But I would say not knowing those dates and just kind of being aware. Like a lot of times in my system, whatever the settlement deadline is, I usually put it five days before that to start alerting me that that deadline is coming up. Because as a lender, I have to send you out loan disclosures before certain deadlines, and there's waiting periods that we can't get around. One of them is called a closing disclosure waiting period. If we don't get that out three days before the settlement deadline, you can't actually close. So we have to be a little ahead of these deadlines. So we're a little bit more aware, and we're supposed to help you with that. Your agent's supposed to be aware of those things. But ultimately, it's really something where you want to know what those deadlines are, put an alert in your phone, put an alert on a calendar, just somewhere kind of circle those dates. And I've seen every time I pulled out a calendar and started kind of looking at the dates we're going to select, we always end up moving them a little bit. We'll move them to Thursday. We'll move them to the next Friday. We'll move them away from a holiday. We'll move them off a weekend. I get a lot of contracts that are just on a Saturday. It's like, well, we're not closing on a Saturday, obviously, but they just didn't pull out a calendar. They just went 30 days, 20 days, 40 days, whatever it was from the, the date that they did the settlement. So these are some of the tips that can really help this process go a lot smoother. And that's part of my job. It's part of my job is to help you to go through these bumps. I often tell my clients, you're not supposed to know how all this stuff works. 
You're not supposed to know all these abbreviations. You're not supposed to know how an appraisal works, a flood cert, a home inspection. I mean, all these things is why you have a real estate agent, why you have a title company, why you have a mortgage person that can walk you through it. I've been doing loans since 1999, and I've seen and done it all. And I'm still learning stuff that pops up that's just crazy as the market changes or as guidelines change or as regulation changes in the industry. So that's part of my job is to be your professional, is to make sure I'm on top of these things to make it as smooth as possible. So really, who you hire to do your mortgage makes a lot of difference. But hopefully, some of these tips will give you a little bit of an idea of what it takes to make the process smooth. Because it is a complicated process. We're loaning hundreds of thousands of dollars for 30 years at a time with paperwork that's this thick and scary and intimidating. But all of it has a reason. All of it has a why. All of it has a a guideline that created it. And if you know what that is, it becomes smoother when you're going through this process. So that's part of my job, is to help you smooth out the bumps, try to catch some of the mistakes with my experience, and just walk you through what it takes to actually acquire a home, and especially a mortgage loan. So I do lending in Utah and Nevada, but we are licensed in many states throughout the country, so I'd love a chance to work with you or point you in the right direction. And I really like helping people. So even if you don't end up using me for a loan and just have some questions about how the mortgage real estate financing world works, I'd love an opportunity to work for you. We're work with you. Uh, my website is just my name, Ryan Bolton. That's B-O-L-T-O-N, RyanBolton.com. You can also call my call me directly at 435-627-0494. That's my cell phone number. You can call me anytime. But I really would love the chance to work with you and get you into home ownership. I'm a big believer in real estate. Been doing this a long time. And I, I know home run, homeowners win in the long run. So if you are waiting to buy a home or you really have it on your radar, resolution, whatever, that this is the year you want to buy a home, I really want to be help you with that. Yeah, there's a lot of news out there that says to buy or not to buy or benefits and disadvantages of buying a home. But really, there's way more benefits, especially over the long run. Is it a short-term thing? No, it never was supposed to be. There's times where it pops up where it's a short-term investment. But you're going to have a housing expense. Why not own it? Why not have the appreciation, the tax benefits? There's so many benefits to owning a home, and the best thing you can do is start early. Check out my website at ryanbolton.com, and we'll see you next time on the Clear to Close podcast. This has been the Clear to Close podcast. Please submit your comments, questions, and topics for future episodes to cleartoclosepod at gmail.com. That's clear, the number two, closepod at gmail.com or ryanbolton.com. Please like, follow, and share. And until next time, this is the Clear to Close podcast. The views expressed in this podcast do not necessarily reflect those of Patriot Home Mortgage, Equal Housing Lender, NMLS number 299717. This has been a production from a podcast studio.